You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Today is part two of our new series. It's just a three-part series we're starting off called Insight, and it's about Jesus's interaction with blind men, how he heals these blind men in the Gospels. Um, last week, we heard from Justin, he talked about how the man born blind uh, was healed by Jesus. And his point was, sometimes faith needs to just be simple. And the blind man simply said, after he had been healed, he said, I was blind and now I see. And so today, I'm going to take it a little bit of a different direction. And we're going to study another example of one of the blind men who's healed. And in this example, you're going to see this is the one miracle where the blind man actually gets healed in two stages. And what that brought to my mind is the difference between something simple and complex. And we know in Ecclesiastes, it says that there is a time for everything. So I believe there's a time for things to be simple, and there's a time for things to be complex. And I'll give you an example from my own life. When I took Carrie on our first date many, many years ago, I had, uh, I had graduated from college maybe a year earlier, and like many of you college students that are reading a lot of books, you're adding to your vocabulary. And you like to use those big uh, college words at times, right? Uh, you, I know for me, I'll just uh, confess, I, I liked trying to sound smart. Okay, That was just me. That was my arrogance, my pride. As a college guy, you kind of, I realized, okay, I'm actually as smart as a lot of people older than me. Oh, cool, I'm going to use some big words. Sadly, I brought that into some of my casual relationships, right, in my friendship with Carrie, and I thought I would impress her. So I was getting to know her in the car, and I said, so, uh, you know, what do you like to do to recreate? And she looks at me and goes, do you mean what I like to do to have fun? I go, yeah. And she was laughing at me, and so are the other people in the car with us, you know, the, the other double date. They're like, recreate? Who asks who likes to recreate? I'm like, okay, okay, okay. What do you like to do to have? I realize, okay, I need to be a little more simple, right? I need a little, little more tuned in. But then she starts to share with me, you know, what she likes to do. And she shared a number of sports, things she likes to do. And she said, I love music. I, I like to sing. I was like, can you sing? She's like, oh, yeah, I can sing a little bit. I was like, oh, great. Sing me a song. I figured she likes to sing. She can sing. I want to hear. So sing me a song right now. You know, we're driving the car. She's like, no, I'm not going to sing for you right now. <laughs> it's our first date ever. And, um, She's like, no, I was like, I was sure she would sing for me. I was like, I'm persuasive. I'm Steve Lounsbury, persuasive salesman. You're going to, I'm going to get her to. And I just was like, I'm going to talk her into it. But she wasn't having it. She wasn't going to sing for me in the car on the first day. And I stepped back and I go, okay, things are a little more complex than I thought. Now, that being said, she wasn't going to put herself out there like that. It wasn't kind of how she was made to sing in that regard. Uh, but she is a great singer and happily um, months later, uh, on my birthday, she did sing me a song, just between her and I. So that was awesome, and I appreciated her for that. But what I took away from this is that sometimes things are simple, and sometimes things are complex. And there's a time and place for each of those things. And today, as we study the story of the blind man, I want you to see that. And I, I think today uh, is really going to be an opportunity for us to think about our own spiritual growth. And spiritual growth uh, has many layers involved in it. So let's begin reading the story of the blind man in Bethsaida. 
And it's in Mark chapter 8, verse 22, and I hope you can see it on the screen. Um, but we're going to begin to read there. If, you're in, if you have your Bible handy, and by the way, if you have our West Side Church app, all the notes are in there. All right, all the notes on our West Side Church app, and the whole sermon is in there. But if you don't have, next time you come, you can make sure you download the West Side Church app, and we'll actually have QR codes for you to do that next time you get here. So it makes it easier to follow. Hopefully, you can see on the screen. Verse 22 says, they came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had put saliva in the NIV, it says when he'd spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, can you see anything? I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him away to his home, saying, do not even go into the village. So they come to this town of Bethsaida, and this is after... Uh, in the chapter 8, we're going to look at a little bit of it earlier, in, in a moment here in the, in the sermon. But he had just uh, fed 4,000. He had just gone across the lake in a boat, and he had just refuted some Pharisees. And then he, 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 he challenged his own apostles to really have eyes to see and ears to hear. And so this story of the blind man is not just a miracle story in and of itself, but it's what, really what's known as an acted-out parable. Because there's meaning behind the meaning. And many of the scriptures are that way. When we see the healing, we're just blown away. But Jesus intended to teach his apostles something from how the healing occurred. And he intends to teach you something as you dig deep into what was his intention on healing him in two different ways. Now, as you look at the passage, the town of Bethsaida means fisher, like fisherman's village. And Andrew and Philip and Peter were from that village. And so, a good place to find disciples. He thought, oh, I'm going to go to a fisherman's village, because he's making fishers of men. But he brings them on back to that village to give them this example of healing. And I like how it says, they brought to him a man, and they begged Jesus to touch him. Right? They brought him to Jesus. They wanted Jesus to bless him, yes, and maybe they hoped he could heal him. And I think that's a good calling for all of us. The more we can bring close to Jesus, the better. If we can get people to touch and connect with Jesus, good things are going to happen. So I want to commend all of you out here at worship today in person. We're doing it safely. I hope that you can touch and connect with Jesus this morning. And if you're at home watching, we hope the same for you. Jesus is here. He is among us. Where two or more are gathered in his name, he says, I am with you. You know, he says when he was about to heal the guy, it says he led him by the hand out of the village. And that's an interesting thing. I'm not sure exactly what he was thinking, but I could take the parallel. of Sometimes you do got to get out of your normal, comfortable environment to see things clearly. I know uh, last year I went away for a, a two-day fasting and prayer time up in the hills of Santa Barbara and just got away from things so I could get clarity, and it really helped me. Clarity on spiritual issues. Clarity about how to love my wife the right way. 
clarity about how to, how to be a pastor, a leader, a church servant. We need that sometimes. Amen. So what we see here is he's going to heal him and he uses saliva, which in our day and age, that's a disgust mechanism. We had talked about that as a church. It's like, ooh, you know, put your, especially today in the day of COVID, right? Don't put your spit on me. Actually, in that day, saliva was seen maybe as a, as a, a, a healing salve for eyes. So, in fact, it wasn't that odd for Jesus to do that. But when he first does it, he only sees people looking like trees, right? He doesn't see them totally clearly. And I think that's sometimes what happens to us, right? We, we get connected to spiritual truth, and we know there's something good there. And we see just a little bit. I'll, I'll never forget my very first Bible talk that I went to. Uh, it was down in Manhattan Beach. My neighbor had invited me out to a Bible talk. I said, I'll go. And they talked about change. And all these people started opening up about their life. And I wasn't used to that much honesty. I was like, wow. And they started talking about Jesus and how he, he welcomed little children and how you got to change. You got you to get innocent and have the eyes to see like a child. And I, I didn't exactly understand what they were saying. But I knew something was good in that Bible talk, right? I knew I had connected to something good. And then, of course, I began to study the Bible more at length. You know, God has a plan to change the world. And he wants people to draw near to him to see the truth. But it takes time for many people. And everyone is on their own journey. This blind man, he saw trees walking around. He thought, or people that look like trees. He didn't, he didn't see it clearly. A lot of you, there's things in your life that you know there's good there. There's something that God's trying to tell you, but you don't see it completely clearly. You are going through your stages of understanding. Of course, the second touch by Jesus gives him total clarity. And the actual uh, adverb in Greek means to see clearly and at a distance. Like he could see what's going on right in front of him. And he could see what's going on in the future. And that's the kind of clarity I think we all want in our understanding of God. That he's got a plan for your life. But you're going to need to go through these stages of growth. Stages of understanding. Spiritual understanding is crucial. Spiritual clarity is needed for all things in life. Physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for both this life and the life to come. So I want to commend you for being here to work on your spiritual life. And I want to begin to ask you, what stage are you in? I'm going to talk about two stages of spiritual understanding. And I believe we can cycle between those two stages. But certainly stage one does come first. All right. Stage one is the idea of who Jesus is. Who exactly is this guy, Jesus? And we sitting here today, I, I hope most of you understand, Jesus really has proven to the world he's God incarnate, right? He's the one that's come to reveal hope and give us security and direction. I know for me, G Jesus is my security. Uh, I can easily be distracted by many things. I can be... Uh, drawn to things that are not spiritual too easily. And I remember as a young man, when I wasn't clear on who he was, uh, I was seeking for fulfillment 
by chasing after many ambitions of this world. And I, I could go from one thing to the next so easily. And there was an abiding anxiety inside of me, an anxiousness of what, what's life really about? Have I found the answer? When I began to understand Jesus, that anxiety subsided because I had security. I had clarity. And so stage one of understanding is really understanding who is Jesus, right? Who exactly Jesus is, is important. And the apostles themselves who were hanging out with Jesus, they didn't even themselves understand it exactly. So we have to look right before he heals the blind man, which was designed to help the apostles understand that they needed to go through stages of understanding. He had been on a boat with them just before this. And I want to read that passage to you as well. And that's in uh, verse 14 of the same chapter. So again, that should be on the screen for you. But Mark 8, verse 14. Um, and I want to set the tone here. He had just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. And then the Pharisees had come asking him, hey, show us a sign that you're the son of God. Show us a sign that you really are who you say you are. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. I'm getting into the boat and I'm leaving. Then he gets on the boat and it says, now the disciples had forgotten to bring any bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them saying, watch out. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. They said to one another, it is because we have no bread. And becoming aware of it, Jesus said to them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and fail to see? Do you have ears and fail to hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of pieces did you collect? They said 12. And the seven for the 4,000. How many baskets full of broken pieces did you collect? And they said to him, seven. Then he said to them, do you not yet understand? So here's the apostles in the boat. And they brought out one loaf of bread. The, the, Mark puts that in the context here. He says, okay, they had one loaf of bread. And then Jesus says, hey, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. Because he's thinking spiritual. And what he's talking about with yeast is, you know, a little bit of yeast works through a whole batch of dough so that it, it can be used. And uh, a lot of times the uh, Jews, when they would make a, a loaf of bread uh, before they baked it, they'd take just a little piece of, uh, boy, I hope this thing holds on. Um, they'd take a little piece of the bread or of the, uh, of the, the dough and they would hold on to it and then they would put it in the new dough, so that it, the yeast in the old dough would spread through the new dough. And that's how they continue to make loaves of bread. And so they were thinking, well, maybe it's because we didn't bring a, any of that, of, of that bread, that, that yeast, that loaf. And he's like, I'm not talking about that. By the way, you already have one loaf, and I used, you know, seven to feed 4,000. I can make one enough to feed us 12, right, or 13 with him included. And yet they were off track. They weren't thinking clearly. They weren't aware of really who Jesus was. They had gotten sidetracked, and I think it's easy for us to get sidetracked as well, that we can sometimes get sidetracked like the, the Pharisees and like Herod. The Pharisees, I think they, they were too concerned with a sign. And, and what's funny is he'd already given them a sign, and yet they, they keep looking for ways to justify themselves. And then Herod, who is he? He was the, you know, the, the government 
overseer of that territory, and it was a Jewish territory, so he was mixing his political power with his religious connections. And I think sometimes we can seek power um, and try to mix sort of wealth and power with our devotion to God, and that can seep into our lives and water us down and affect us. And sometimes we become so consumed with, with human rules, right and wrong, and religious rules, right and wrong, that, that we can get off track. Or we're just not seeing who Jesus is, even though we're close to Him. And so when Jesus says, watch out for this, they're just thinking the practical problems in their life, their anxiety, their struggle. Oh no, I didn't do what I'm supposed to do. And I don't know how you are, but I know COVID's affected people quite heavily, and we got our, our thoughts are racing. We're probably watching too many things still. Hopefully, now that we're getting out more, things are opening up. We're watching less TV and less Internet and less Netflix and less, less whatever because we need to be out seeing things. But I don't know about you. I, I've had occasionally at night anxious thoughts, many things to get done. And that anxiety gets solved, if you remember the story of Mary and Martha, Martha was very concerned about all the things that have to get done. But Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet and focus on him. When you know who he is, Mary in the story knew who Jesus was. He was really God come to earth to show the human race really how to live and what life's all about. But we can, we can easily get distracted like the Pharisees and be running after the wrong things or looking for the wrong things. And so when we understand who Jesus really is, our focus returns. There's a lot of evidence as to who Jesus is. Have you ever checked it out? How are you doing in the stage of really believing that Jesus is the ultimate hero? He's the Messiah. Well, the apostles didn't quite get it, and... Then Jesus does the the story of the the blind man, and then he gives Peter an opportunity to come through. And so he's walking with them, and a little later on in chapter 8, he says, hey, who do people say I am? And Peter had paid attention to the, the enacted parable of the blind man being healed in two stages. And he remembered on the boat how they didn't really understand what he was asking them about the, the things that are polluting them or distracting them or getting them off what they need to be focused on. And so Jesus says, who do people say I am? And in chapter 8 of Mark, verse 29, Peter replies, he asked them, who do people say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. He gets it right, right? He, he has the clarity. He knows who Jesus is. The word Messiah means anointed. In Greek, it's the word Christ. You're the Christ. You're the anointed. Who would you anoint? You anoint the priest, the king, the leader. For the Jews in that day, that meant the coming king who would take Israel out of times of oppression and bring them into authority again on earth. Of course, we know Jesus came to establish something much bigger. A kingdom that would be for all nations, for all time, because it's a spiritual kingdom. But this morning, how are you doing really knowing who Jesus is and what he's capable of? I mean, the apostles had forgotten the word about bread. He could easily solve that problem. When you know what he can do, he can solve the problems in your life. And your anxiety will dissipate. And I know for me, when I feel those things, I like to go to the book of John. When I read the book of John, it's written, the, the, the gospel writer says the book of John helps you to just have faith in who Jesus is. And so I like reading that. 
It helps me. It's a, it's a salve for my spiritual eyes to help me refocus where I'm at. What about you? Do you know who Jesus really is and what he can do in your life? That's stage one. Stage two is what does it mean to follow Jesus? And that's a little more difficult. We all, and across the globe, need to understand who Jesus is. And he wants his apostles to know it, and of course he's going to commission them to tell the world and reveal the world. And interestingly, God's all about this mission. Guess what the number one published and distributed book is in the history of humanity? The Bible. And not just barely, by like a billion times every other book in history. Well, because God's interested in making sure we know who he is, and he reveals that through his son. But see, knowing who Jesus is, is just stage one. Stage two of spiritual understanding is understanding what it means to actually follow Jesus, which is a whole other ball game. So in this chapter in Mark, he had shown them, listen, you're going to go through these stages of clarity. And Peter got it. He's like, great. You healed that blind guy in two stages. He got it. I know on the boat I wasn't getting it, Jesus, but I got it now. You're the Messiah. But then what happens next in that chapter? I don't know if you've ever read chapter 8, but I have it here for you. So let's look. Right, Verse 31. Soon as he's done telling them that he's the Messiah, he got his clarity. He knows who Jesus is. Well, then Jesus starts explaining what that means. He says, Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. For you are, set, you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. You are not setting your mind on things of God, but things of man. Wow, what happened, Peter? You know, I thought you had the clarity. But he understood who Jesus is. But he hadn't yet grasped what it meant to truly follow him. Which is flipping all sense of mission and purpose and power on its head. If we're going to follow Jesus, he says, I am going to be rejected. So here's Peter going, what are you talking about? You're like the most powerful guy I've ever been around. You're amazing. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be killed. People in the religious world are going to reject me. People in society are going to reject me. And if you're going to follow me, welcome to the world of rejection. Wow. How do you feel about that? Peter didn't like it, did he? Peter felt like, that. what? I'm, I'm hanging out with you. We're going to take over. and I'm, I'm probably going to get a pretty significant role in this new uh, economy of life that gets set up. Right? I'm going I'm to be a pretty big deal. And so he doesn't like when Jesus says, you're gonna, I'm going to be rejected and killed. He's like, no, you're not. A, he's, you know, think about how comfortable Jesus made people feel with him, right? He felt safe. There was safety in that relationship. And he was willing to even rebuke Jesus. And then Jesus says, you don't have in mind divine things. You don't understand what it's going to mean to really follow me. And I think each of us today has to ask ourselves, 
do we know who Jesus is? And if you do, really, you're not going to have so much anxiety. But number two, if you know what it means to follow him, you're not going to have so much pride. And that's one of the things that, that happens here as you go through these stages. God works on our, our sense of trust and peace and our anxiety, but he also works on our pride and our arrogance. And I've got to confess, um, I grew up just an arrogant person. And I'm sorry if, if I ever come off that way to you. I don't want that to be in my life. Uh, when my wife sees little, little nuances of that in me, and she can easily humble me in many, many ways, but it's unattractive. I was watching um, American Idol. And I hadn't watched it that much, but I was watching it recently. And I noticed that uh, even the most talented singers, they could get voted off the show if they came across prideful. Like America doesn't even really like pride. None of us like it. How much less does God like pride and arrogance? You've got to come across humble. Even when you're massively gifted, you have to have a sense of this is not of me. This is of bigger than me. And when you come across unassuming and just real and, and sort of grounded, people are drawn to that. And God... He opens our eyes to the ultimate mission of our life is this incredible life of service to Jesus and helping the world see that what success is in the eyes of the world is not success in the eyes of God. The greatest among you will be the servant of all, right? And as you read on, Jesus then basically tells them, and this is a classic verse that we've taught many times, he called the crowd to him along with his disciples, verse 34, and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves Take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Jesus is asking each of us to know who he is and then to really accept and understand what it means to follow him. And it's going to be a journey of falling upward. It's going to be a journey of hitting the wall and having failure, whether it's through your own sin or through a corrupt and un unjust world that we live in. You can still move upward in the spiritual world because in God's economy of life, the greatest among you is the servant. The greatest is the least. And it takes pride and flips it upside down. Where are you at today in your journey? Do you understand who Jesus is? And do you understand what it will take to follow him? Today we're going to take communion together. And we're going to do something a little different as we take communion, as you, as you consider these concepts. We're going to talk about the stages of understanding. Here's what I want us to do. All right, Communion, when, when Jesus instituted this plan it was it was the idea of eat, they were eating together which put everybody on the same playing field everyone's equal at the table at the same dinner table especially in that culture it had a lot of meaning but you know when you invite somebody over to eat with you there's a sense of equality and connection and hey join my fellowship and communion is designed to unify us it's not designed simply so that we could think of what jesus did for us individually so we can go live our individual separate life it's designed to connect us and help us to be humble and see that we get to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, a spiritual family. And so we're going to take communion in a minute. But what I want to do is I want us to each ask this question. And before we pray for the communion, I'm going to force all of you right sitting here. And if you're at home, I want to force you out of your comfort zone a little bit. 
because I want you to answer these questions on the screen. And we're going to take five minutes. And if you're at home and you're by yourself, I want to challenge you to call somebody right now. You know, or text them. If you're here, I'm going to ask you to talk to the people, one or two people right to your left, you to your right. All right. And I want you to have some conversation. If you're a husband and wife and you want to break out of the comfort zone of just the husband and wife scene, have somebody join you as a husband and wife. All right. So that, you know, somebody near you can add to the communal spirit. Here's the, the question. It's on the screen. Which stage do you need more growth? In which stage of the spiritual understanding do you need more growth? Understanding who Jesus is, which helps reduce your anxiety about life and your trust, and you're focused on the, the incredible power and hero, hero of who he is and his majesty. And, and when you know what he can do, it, it puts you at rest. But then number two, maybe you need work on understanding what it means to follow him and working on your pride has been an issue. And you're, you're achieving things for yourself or your, your direction is off because you don't understand following Jesus is a journey downward into accepting our humanity and our, our sinfulness so that he can lift us up. So one stage helps you overcome your pride. and One stage helps you overcome your anxiety. And I think they overlap a little bit, too. So let's have a discussion now. We'll go for five minutes and then we'll come and I'll pray and we'll take communion in five minutes. So please have a discussion. Which stage do you need more growth in? All right, let's go ahead and pray for communion at this time. Please hold on to the easy ups if they try to fly away, please. Father in heaven, thank you so much, uh, Jesus. We're so inspired to understand who you are. And we're more inspired to understand that you're willing to go to the cross, uh, your death and resurrection. Uh, they mean everything to us. Thank you for your body given, and thank you for your blood shed and what it means and how it, uh, it solves our anxiety and it solves our pride. And uh, we pray we can continue to grow uh, through the stages of spiritual understanding. Thank you for your body and blood. In Jesus' name, amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.